Okay, we're not here to teach you ballet. We're here to teach you, one, to stay clean in Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. We want to expose you to the truth because the truth sets us free. So I'm glad that everybody's here. There's so much going on. If you have your bulletin, you can wave it at me. Nobody has their bulletins. All right. In our bulletins, there are several announcements that I need to really make, and I want to make sure first that you know our yellow card system is a feedback for us. You put down your prayer request. We pray over your request. And there are numerous people here who already God has answered their prayers. So make sure that you're aware of that. Towards the end of the service, we'll do that. There's a bunch of uh, new flyers going out. Rescue me from religion. This is amazing, the artwork here. I mean, Liz really um, goes all out for these things. Don't let them go to waste. Take about four or five, 10, 20. Give them out to your friends, your family. Invite them in. Amen? Also, we have a woman's... It's not a breakfast. I don't think they're able to get up so early now these days, especially in the winter. So they moved it to a brunch. Amen? And it's going to be happening on uh, the 31st, uh, Hallelujah Day, I guess. And it's going to be from 11 o'clock to 1.30. Come on down and make sure that you participate in this. If you're a lady, please bring your daughters, bring your mothers, bring your aunt, bring your cousin, bring your neighbor, bring the lady who does your hair, the lady who does your nails. Just make sure that. Also, there's a woman's retreat coming up November 20 and 22nd. If you've never been on one of our retreats, it is an awesome time up in the hills of Deer Park. Um, the accommodations are as best as they can be, but oftentimes we need to be made uncomfortable so that we can realize that without Jesus, we can do nothing. Amen? The marriage retreat, November 20 and 22nd, we're maximizing that weekend. I'm a little concerned that the church is going to be empty that day because the marriages will be up in the retreat and so will the woman. The marriages, although we're not going to Deer Park, we're going to Twin Pines, um, and it's supposed to be a very lavish place a weekend away. So if you're a married couple, please, please see Elizabeth, see Claudio. They'll give you the information. Put down your down payment so that you can make sure you participate in that. There's also a men's retreat December 4 through 6. Uh, I encourage you also, if you're a man, to come up there. Last time that I was up in that mountain, uh, my car turned over and I almost died. And I told my son we were going back up. And he said, this time, make sure we walk down. So, you know, we're going to go back up there and do that. Um, there's a great deal of other things going on, um, fellowships. Please make sure you see me if you're not aware of them. Um, we have information out in the lobby from legal services to ESL classes. We're here to help. We're not just here to, you know, uh, set up the place so you can come and just sit. We're here to help you. There's a need that you have that's going to allow you to grow in Jesus Christ. We're here to do that. So in the lobby, when you go out during fellowship and have your coffee, you'll be able to do that. This evening at 5 p.m., we have a guy coming in from California, special guest speaker, the service downstairs, um, a guy by the name of Smalls. He's been ministering to a great deal of the stars in Hollywood and bringing them to Christ. So I encourage you, if at 5 p.m. you're absolutely doing nothing, come on down and be with us. Amen? I'm trying to get through this before I lose my voice. Anybody know what this is? Come on now. This is a baby bottle. I was recently at a missions conference, and I ran into a group of volunteers who, were, who just gave their lives over 
to helping pregnant teenagers. And I was moved by it because they weren't teaching them to have an abortion. They weren't teaching them to give up their babies. They created a home where they can come in and they can get the care that they need. And of course, they minister them Jesus Christ. It's called the Alpha Care Center. It's located in Albany. And when I met the people, I asked them, how can I help them? And they told me, well, of course, you know, pray for us and financially. But they needed supplies. And they said, if you can get us some baby bottles, we would be truly blessed to be able to have baby bottles for these babies. So, of course, being Pastor Gus, being crazy like I am, I spoke to the congregation on Wednesday and I said, you know what? We're going to go beyond these four walls and we're going to start helping ministries that are doing the work that we can't do here. Can you fix the feedback on this? Thank you. So what I need you to do is someone brought in their first bottle. Look how pretty that is. We have a box in the back and I want you for the next 30 days to gather as many baby bottles as you can. They got to be new. Not used. I, I know sometimes we want to use. And I want you to bring it and just drop it in the box in the back. There's a huge sign back there. Artie, wave at me, Artie. Artie's doing the wave over there. You see that? It goes right in that box. Understand what this is about. This is about young girls, and a lot of them are coming out of Manhattan and the Bronx. They're going all the way upstate. And they're being fed the word of God and given the hope that they can be mothers. And that's important that we're able to give to that. So I encourage you to help out with our baby bottle drive. I'm going to pay the uh, delivery fee, um, but I need you, the congregation, to bring baby bottles and put them in the back. And if you have clothes, if it's something that you would not put on your child, please don't bring it. Make sure it smells like downy. It's in a clear plastic bag, and it says boy or girl, and you can bring that too, and we'll give it to them. This church wants to be a blessing. We don't just want to play church. We want to be the church. So I encourage you to give up your little Starbucks double latte and get a baby bottle and bring it in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. As we get into God's word. Pastor Edmund's away on a mission conference. Um, oftentimes we are invited um, to go and share what God is doing here at 360 Skimmerhorn with some people. Sometimes some people on farms, sometimes some people in cities, and they're excited about what's going on at 360. And a lot of them are partnered with us. So Pastor uh, Edwin is in a mission conference, making sure people know what's going on here. Pastor Raymond is in Peekskill, also in a mission conference, uh, making sure that people know what's going on here in Brooklyn and how they can continue to help us. So keep our pastors in prayer. Just know that when we're not here, we're not home sleeping. We're out there doing what God has called us to do. And your prayers go a long way to keeping us and uh, strengthening us for the work that God has set before us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you because we know that you are already here in this place. We've come here from near and far, and some of us are weighed down by the cares of this world. I pray for the next 40 minutes, Lord that you would lift the cares and the worries of this world, that we will be receptive to your word. We lift up our hearts before you. I pray that you would purge us and cleanse us and just remind us that without you, we can accomplish nothing.
But you're an awesome and mighty God. And I know, I know that when we call, you come. We're calling out to you right now. Show up. Holy Spirit, have your way. There's a person in here right now that needs a touch from you. And they don't know what to do next. They don't understand what the next is going to come from. But you're a God who has our life in your hands. Do with it as you please. Help us to be still and trust you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen. And amen. Well, sit back for the next few minutes. I'm going to try to unfold the word of God before you. We come here one way and we expect it to leave a different way with a message that would hopefully revive us, remind us, and move us forward. Pastor Edwin has been speaking in the book of Galatians. I encourage you to read the book of Galatians. The title of our sermon series for the next few months, I guess, will be to rescue us from religion. And many of us have been engaged in our lives in rituals that have tried to, on the outside, make us appear as something that we are not. I think it's time that we realize that religion doesn't save us, but it does point us in a direction. And it's important for us that when we get that direction, that we begin to engage in seeking, that we become seekers, that we become on this journey people who want to know, why am I here? What is the purpose of me being here? What is the plan God has for me? Why didn't I die in that overdose? Why didn't I die in that car crash? Why in the world am I still here? Religion won't teach us that, but relationship will. So it's important that as you keep coming and you keep reading and you keep engaging in the community of this church, when I mean the community of this church, on Wednesdays we have small groups. We have a middle-of-the-week service. I don't know about you, but in my life, Sunday to Sunday wasn't enough. There was too much action going on on Monday to Saturday for me to try to roll up on Sunday. And if I acted out on Tuesday, then I wasn't coming on Sunday. So I needed a middle-of-the-week service to try to get me through the rest of the week so that I can show up on Sunday and somehow hear something, be provoked to do something, be embraced by somebody so I can feel significant. And the church began to do that for me. So I encourage you to participate in the community of the church. You see, that's when we start walking away from religion and begin to enter in a relationship. Not with man, but with the person of Jesus Christ. Because it's Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. And without him, we can do nothing. We can't even approach the Father. Do you know that when you pray, you're supposed to say, Our Father, in the name of Jesus? Because you're getting his attention by the name of Jesus. Does everybody understand that? Amen? And I'm going to tell you, if you're here for the first time, welcome. But you're going to hear Jesus a lot. Amen. Okay? So I encourage you to write some things down and count maybe how many times I say Jesus. Because I will be mentioning the name of our Lord and Savior a great deal. Because I know that there's no other name in which salvation comes to a man. There's no other name in which healing can come, restoration can come. There's no other name, no other name that's done for me what Jesus has done for me. Now only you know where you've been or where you are or where you need to get to. I got to tell you something that the only way to get there is Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to be speaking today about when God says no, when God doesn't heal, when everything doesn't go the way we want it to go, and we're still in the church, we're praying, we're crying out to God, but I'm still sick. I'm still not healed. You know, God said no to me. What does no mean? Well, unlike society, no doesn't mean yes. 
And I think that's the confusion that we find ourselves in, that society has watered down yes and no in such a way that we have to ask again, what do you mean? And when God says no, what he's setting up for us is a boundary that we can't set for ourselves. God is definitive when he says no. When he says no, he's clear about what he's saying. And the Bible says that we let our yes be yes and our no be no. But some of us say no and then two minutes later, we're saying yes. Why is it that we crumble under the pressure? For the teenagers, we call it peer pressure. But you're a little too old for peer pressure. But you're still trying to please somebody other than God. Is that right? And because of that, oftentimes your no get watered down. And then we had a campaign many years ago that told us just say no. How did that work out? Not so good. Just saying no is not enough. We have to know why we say no. And when God says no, he explains why he says no. And it's important that we understand that. Listen, if God asks you to do some fantastic feat, wouldn't you? If God asks you to do something extraordinary, wouldn't you? But he's asking you to do the simplest things, which is to believe in me. Believe that I have your life in my hands, that I can be trusted, and that although you think that you cannot see me, I'm right there with you. Every step of the way, I'm with you. Now, I'm going to put on my glasses because I need to see. And I'm going to take you to 2 Samuels chapter 7. When everybody have it, say amen. If you don't, God willing, it'll be on the screen. Amen. I need everybody to see the scriptures. We're reading from the New Living Translation. You have to bear with me. My voice is in and out. It says, I'm going to be reading through verse 16, so just bear with me. It's a story that we need to see before we unpackage it. Amen? It says, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead. And do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and the tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. 
Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. Look up for a moment because that was a long scripture reading. There is so much that we have to talk about in that scripture that we just read. The first thing is that oftentimes we have sincere motives in why we do things. And there's an urgency in our lives to want to do good and want to bless people and be able to do that. But oftentimes we become crutches for people. You're listening to me. We develop these enabling relationships and we play God for some people. And God, in this particular version of the scripture that we just read, David was a mighty warrior for God. He had accomplished a great deal for God. If you're not familiar with the story of David, he was a little shepherd boy in a field that nobody acknowledged or even had an inkling. His own father didn't even notice him when they came to find the next king. Jesse had to say, well, I got another son, but he's a little shepherd boy, and, you know, you don't want to see him. And, but God sees the heart of man, the heart of a woman, the heart of a young person. And he knows the motives of our hearts when we do things. And there are times in which God will say, no, you're not to do this. Tell me something. What is it about us? That the same thing or the very thing that God tells us not to do, we do. What, what, what is it about, I don't know what you want to call it, your disease, your sickness, your madness, your insanity. Call it whatever you want. Paint it, dress it up any way you want. The truth of the matter, it's just out and out disobedience. There's nothing else to call it. If God says, this is what you're to do, then do that. We see in the Garden of Eden that God set up this paradise for them. And in the midst of that paradise, they still chose to do what he told them not to do. And for that, today, women, you have to have pain during childbirth. And men, you have to work. And the only way to get back to that place is by honoring God and being obedient. And in this case... David was pent up, pumped up. You know what? God should not dwell in a tent. He should have a palace so that people can come and see. But let me tell you something. God doesn't dwell in a building. God dwells in those who believe in Jesus Christ who receive him as Savior and Lord, who repent from their sins, turn from their wicked ways, and run into the arms of God. God says that he doesn't want to dwell in a building. God wants to dwell in you. In each and every one of you. Someone will probably cringe you right now in your seat, and you're saying, 
in me? I'm, I'm kind of dirty, God. I, I, I'm, I'm not worthy. I don't know. But it's not up to you, is it? it it's up to God and God alone. You see, because when he nailed himself to the cross, he thought of you. He thought about how wonderful you are, how awesome you are, how fantastic you are. And you're probably sitting there saying, Pastor, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I am. I'm crazy for Jesus. Because I know that it was Jesus Christ who changed my life. And the minute that I started to listen to him saying no to some things and began to honor God with my life, that it began easier and easier for me to say no to those things that looked good but were not good. Now, a lot of us have gone that way. When God said no, when our parents said no, when the police said freeze, we kept running. And God uses adversity and circumstances in our lives to get us to a point where we honor him in our lives. And I ask you again, if God was to ask you to do something extraordinary, which one of you would say no? But he's asking you to do something really simple. Husbands, he's asking you to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you won't do it. Young ladies, he's asking you to be pure, to honor God and offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And you say, no. He's asking you to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure to build the kingdom of God. And you're saying, no. So I wonder, where do we go from here? What, what do we do? How do we become what God wants us to become? Well, we start saying yes. We start saying, yes, Lord, here I am. I don't understand it. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. My wife drives me crazy. I don't know why you want me to love her that way. Not my wife. Not my wife. I'm, I'm just using it as an illustration. <laughs> it's an illustration, honey. That's all. Or vice versa. You know, he, he's, he doesn't do anything. He hasn't done anything all our lives. You know, you want me to love him? You want me to honor him? Yes. Yes, because it's not our ways, it's his ways. The Bible says that we shouldn't lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge God. Acknowledge him, that to know that his ways are right. So in here, I, I can imagine how David might have felt when the prophet came to him and said, not you, buddy. Not you. You're not going to do this for me. Your son will. Man, if God came to me and said that, I'd be like, that's cool. I'm good with it. I want him to do something. But David had a heart after God. And people don't understand what that means. That even in the midst of whatever we're going through, that our heart beats for God. That's the desire to honor God. That even when God says no to us, that we say, okay. That we say, okay. 
God, but I really, I really, you know I need a relationship. You know I need this job. You know I need that car. You know I need this thing. And God says, no. And you say, but God, why not? I don't know about you, but I can't see around the corner. I can't see my future. I only can live in my present, understanding what I did in the past. Now, in the past here, I lived a life of no meaning yes. Right? Someone said no, you kind of pressed a little harder. Right? For the fellas, the girl said no, and you were like, I'm not sure what she means no, you know? And for the girl, you were saying no, but it was meaning not today. And we have to be definitive in our answers today. We have to be able to make our yes, yes, and no, no. Some of us are still in two worlds. We sit on this fence and our no's mean yes and our yes mean no's. And God is saying, you have to understand that when God says no, it's definitive. It means that he knows best for you. And therefore, if he's saying no, he has something better for you. He said no to David and yes to Solomon. And because of that, to this day, to this day, we reap the rewards of God saying no to David and yes to Solomon. And maybe you're here today and you want to do that next thing. But you have to really look at it and understand that oftentimes when we enter into certain relationships and we don't lead people to Jesus and we don't point people to Jesus and we don't tell them read the word when we don't bring them to the cross and they get enamored with us and they begin to be uh, uh, enthralled with a personality. There's something wrong with that and God is saying no to that and yes to Jesus. We have to be conscious that in the relationships we have with people, that we don't become their gods. Little G. Because as little gods, we're going to fail one another. Listen to me. Some of us have done that, haven't we? Some of us have been in relationships, and we've thrown all our marbles into that relationship. With someone who took our heart, and didn't know how to nestle it and nurture it, they dropped it. How many of us have been in a relationship where we've been hurt? Don't answer that question. I know I have. And it takes a while for that hurt to turn into something pleasurable again. But if we don't have the tools we wallow in depression. We get frustrated and angry. And even when God brings somebody into our lives that is ordained by God because we haven't healed from our past, we miss our future. So what happens when God doesn't heal? What happened when God doesn't do the miracle you're asking him to do? You stop coming to church. You stop reading your word. You gave God a designated time and you said, okay, God, time is up. 
You, you didn't take care of it. What now? Well, Paul, in the words, when he was struggling, what, what he was struggling with, and many theologians would speculate about what it was, whether it was sin or sickness, whatever it was, he cried to God three times. Everybody remember that scripture? And if you don't, here's what happened. Paul was suffering from an affliction. We're not sure what it is exactly. We can go into the scriptures and knowing Paul's life, it could have been that he was suffering from a condition of his eyes because later on, others that were with him wrote for him as he dictated. It could have been a besetting sin. If you don't know what that is, it's a sin no matter how much you pray, you still struggle with. You're still coming to church, you're still praying, you're still trying to get through it, but every now and then, you stumble. We call it relapse and recovery. Right? You can be three months clean and then bam, you fall and you try and get up again and you're doing it. Well, sometimes there are sins in our lives that we continue to struggle with. Well, let me give you the secret to getting past them. The Bible says that without praying and fasting, some things will not go. Ooh, I just cussed. I used an F word in church. <clears throat> fasting. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pastor? I like my rice and beans. How do I fast? It's not letting this flesh tell you what you're going to do. It's not allowing your primal desires to overwhelm you. It's getting closer to God by turning over your plate and seeking his face. Some of us have done it medically, right? Doctors tell us don't eat for 24 hours because you have an exam coming up, right? And we do that willingly. God says, do it for me. And we're like, ay bendito señor, why are you going to do this to me? Is there another way? Take this cup from me. Right? But it's important that we understand that. And Paul came to God and he said, God, take this from me. How many of us are here today and, and medically we're struggling with some stuff and, and, and you say, God, how long? I'm coming to church. I'm seeking your face. I'm seeking your word. I'm getting closer to you. And Paul did that and he cried out three times and here's what he heard. And here's what you need to hear today. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. He said, in the midst of whatever you're going through, know that my grace is enough. And that just for today, you're going to get by. And tomorrow you'll get up again. And you try it again the next day. And you do whatever you have to do and you move into the next phase of your life and you put some days together. A lot of people come to church and they say, God, I'm here, heal me. I'm here, increase my bank account. I'm here and this late model vehicle, I need a new one. And we banter and we barter and we, you know, try to bargain with God and God says, no. No. You see, because it always turns out to be an issue of the heart. Now, I've invited you into my living room today. I'm not preaching. I'm having a conversation with you. Because I know that many of us, God has said no, and we're thinking that God means yes. And here we see that when God spoke to David, it was definitive. 
David didn't take up his little hammer and start measuring out and start building. What he did was he began to make it possible so that his son can then go and build. Now you're here today and God has said no to you in some areas of your life and you're still questioning, well, God, you know what I need. That's right. He knows what you need. And right now you need no. And when God says no, that's what he means. So what he's saying to you is, I know best. Will you trust me? Will you allow me to lead you in your life? Will you get off the seat and let me drive? How many of us still are coming? And are not fully trusting God. And then you hear somebody tell you, you got to have faith. And you get upset. We have faith. The Bible says the size of a mustard seed. And our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. That he is able. That on that cross, the Bible reminds me, that he took all sickness, all disease, all pain, all hurt, he took it on that cross so I wouldn't have to. And I don't, I'm not minimizing whatever it is you're going through. And I know that I'm going through some stuff. I know that my family goes through some stuff. And I know that every family here, every person here goes through some stuff. But to know that God's grace is enough. To know that in the midst of whatever I'm going through, even when God tells me no, that God knows best and that I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to understand that my help comes from him. And what I'm going to do is I'm not going to lean on my understanding. I'm not going to keep trying to do it my way. But I'm going to sit and I'm going to trust God and allow him to be God. We got a bunch of slogans going around, right? Let go, let God. Let go, let God. Let go, let God. And we're still carrying around our luggage. We're still carrying around our hurts. We're still carrying around, you know, the, the, the stuff that's happened to us. And God is saying, let go. Let go and let me. Let go and let me. And you say, no, but I'm going this way. And God says, no. God says, you're going the wrong way. You're heading in the wrong direction. And it's like Paul you know, flailing his arms and saying, no. But what do we do? How many of us have gone through stop signs here? Come on. Some people go. Stop signs are meant to get us to stop. That's what they meant. Red lights are not meant for you to see if you're going to get caught. They're meant to get you to stop. If it's a four-way stop sign, you have to come to a stop and look before you proceed. That moment of looking, it's God telling you, you're on the right path. Just keep going straight. I love this story because I know David's life. And I know that there are many times that David wanted to do something. And God said, no, wait for me. How many of us run ahead and then want God to catch up? 
How many of us proceed to go through the stop sign when God says no and we get engaged in a relationship? We take a job we shouldn't take. We go somewhere we shouldn't go. We do something we shouldn't do. And then we say, God, hurry up. Hurry up, catch up because I'm in trouble. I said, no, over here. And you kept going. And then, you know what comes out of our mouths? Why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you doing this to me? I didn't do it to you. You did it to yourself. Because you're so strong-willed. The Bible calls it stiff neck. I got a bunch of other names for it, but I'm being recorded. And we proceed to go and go, and God says no. Maybe right now God is not healing, but I know he's in the healing business. But he's here to heal our hearts first. In the story of the, uh, in the book of Luke, where the four friends bring their friend on a mat. You know, um, they probably visited him several times, and all he did was complain. They were like, yo, let's go fishing. How could I go fishing? Look at my legs. Come on, let's go play some ball. Come on, you're kidding me, right? I can't move from this bed. They got tired of coming over and hearing the same story. You know anybody like that? Not here. Not here, not in this place. And they came over finally, and they had heard about Jesus. Yes, Jesus. The Messiah, this, this Jewish carpenter who suddenly had been thrust into the forefront. And John the Baptist has spoken about him. And he says, there's one coming that's greater than I am. And I can't even tie his shoes. And he says, he's healing people. And, and even John in prison sent his disciples and said, listen, go ask him if he's the one. What do you mean if he's the one? Go back and tell him that the blind are seen. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. The poor is being fed. Think about that. They heard about this Jesus. They took their friend. They got so bold, so bold that they broke a guy's roof. Yo, is that my house? We're having a fight. Break my roof. But Jesus was there. He was sitting there. He saw the little dust come down. They settled him down. They laid him on the mat. Jesus didn't heal him first imagine that when you look at the scriptures there was a more pressing need there was an issue of the heart and you know that our heart is a place where our thoughts are birth whatever we begin to feel as people we can cop this plan and we put legs to it and we carry it through that's why whoever you give your heart to, your body will follow. And they laid him out, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Whoa! We brought our friends so you can heal them. What is this sin stuff? No, 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 no. Because God knows that we need to be forgiven first. Before we're healed. Because oftentimes we get afflicted with leprosy. 
And we come and we say, heal us. And a bunch of us come. You know the story. And God heals all of us. And then what happens? Only one of us comes back. Because we forget who it was that healed us. That's why that song, Came to My Rescue, resonates in my mind. Because I know where I was. And you know where you were. And maybe where you still are. But I know that if you cry out for help, I know that in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, and you're saying, God, when? God will come to your rescue. And he will forgive your sins. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he will heal you. And you're saying, but pastor, you just said when God doesn't heal. I said that even when the healing is not evident, because of my faith and because God's grace is sufficient for me, and because he is my strength, I get up, I brush my teeth, I comb my hair, and I put one foot in front of the other, and I try again. And I ask God to look into my heart and heal and forgive me from my sins. That's what this is all about. It's about our sins. So when God says no, is because he sees ahead of you and he knows best for you and he has better for you and he's saying, get out of the way. He's saying, let go. But right now, I'm saying no. And I don't need you to move ahead of me and then call me into this. I need you to heed my words and know that I'm with you. I pray that in this conversation you've heard some really evident things that first, the scripture has spoken about. And secondly, is that in the midst of whatever you go through, in the midst of whatever you're struggling with, in the midst of where you find yourself today, that Jesus is with you. One amen in the house. Amen. No, 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 no. Don't say amen because the preacher said amen. I'm simply saying, is it amen in your life? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is with you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is alongside you and he's helping you and he's guiding you? Do you believe that the spirit of God is indwelling you to empower you to say no to this world and yes to God? Because unless you believe that, you're going to keep going through that stop sign. You're going to keep sneaking past that red light. You're going to keep teetering on the very edge of danger. Now, I know Jesus is with me. And I know 
that wherever I go, he goes with me. Now that's an image for you to just hold on to for a moment. Because I know when I was growing up, I went off the block to do my dirt. Because mom couldn't see me. But man, if I didn't know, she found out. They always find out, don't they? Because there's nothing that we can do that will not be uncovered. There's nothing that we can do or say that we will not be held accountable for. In our relationships, let our yes be yes and our no be no. And know that when God says no, he has better for you. And know that if God has not healed you by now, that his grace is sufficient for you. Man, I'm jazzed up about that. I really am. I'm moved by the fact that there is a God who cares about me. And I know in the past that many people who cared and loved me said no, and I was like, you don't know nothing. Don't you dare say that to God. Because he knows. Yeah. Not your husband, not your wife. He knows it all. God knows it all. And he sees your life. And he's set a path for you to follow. So my prayer today is that you understand that Jesus is the lover of your soul. That he loves you and he cares about you. The guys are going to do a song for us. I'm going to come back. I'm going to ask you to do several things in response to this sermon. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. That we would worship him to the very end. In the midst of all that goes on, that we would worship. Now, you know that worship is a lifestyle. It's not something we just sing a song to. It's a lifestyle. The Bible says that we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And that's so important for us to realize that we want to worship him to the very end. What is that end? That end is when I come face to face with Jesus Christ. All my questions will be answered. And if I come face to face with Jesus Christ, what more can I want? I'm going to ask the host to come forward at this time as we prepare to worship God in our giving. Now God continues to do a mighty and awesome thing in this place. And beyond this place, again, I say that we are a church, a ministry, reaching people in recovery, their family, and their friends. And we're here to help. What you just experienced, these two gentlemen singing and using their talents, is because this church has helped them. And they now want to give back through their worship and through their talents. I don't know about you, but I think this church has helped you. I think Pastor Edwin stands here every single week after week after week, busting his chops. You don't know what he goes through at the end of a sermon. He goes into the room and he sulks because he's not sure that he did his very best. We're not sure. We just come out here and we do our very best. And we say, let us present a credible bridge to Jesus. 
and hopefully some people will cross over and realize in this message that when God says no, he has what's best for you. And maybe you, you're not feeling as good as you could. Maybe the doctors are saying something and you're not feeling it. And let me tell you something. God's grace is sufficient for you. And I'm going to re- believe the report of the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to embrace that truth. And I want you to know something. That when you give, you're sowing a seed in the life. When you bring your little baby bottle you bring your baby bottle for the next 30 days and you put it in that box this bottle will get some formula that will be placed in the mouth of a child whose mother will be taught about Jesus so that she can then in turn teach her child about Jesus that's how it happens so when you give understand that you're not giving unto me you're giving unto the Lord and I encourage you to give cheerfully to give to what God has started here at 360 let's pray hallelujah father we just thank you we praise you we exalt you we are so honored and so awed by your presence here today Lord, I don't know what we would do without you. We only know that you set a path before us. And we should allow you to guide us. So guide us and teach us. Remind us of your strength. Remind us of your love, of your mercy, and your grace. Use this moment as we give as an act of worship. Bless the offerings and tithes that will be collected. Lord, I thank you for this place. I thank you for the people in this room. Bless them. Get them through their difficult moments. Help them to trust you above all. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says amen. Now, before the ushers move down, I need you on this yellow card. 